0: Hello and welcome back to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. This one is episode 81. And this one is going to be just the the tip of the iceberg of it's a very informal one of one that I want to cover from my book. It's an entire chapter uh, that I titled It Takes a Man to Build a Better Man. And this one is I haven't recorded an episode in at least a month, uh, maybe 6 weeks. And I try to load them up in chunks so that I can get, you know, at two a week, I have to load up 10, 12, 14 episodes at a time so that I can have a span of time where I can focus on projects or other things that are going on in my life um, that I, I don't like to just live with a microphone. And I don't I don't want the podcast to be the center of my life. It's certainly not the centerpiece of my life. So as I, I scan through life, I am watching a generation or two of men, at least here in the United States, who have been raised by largely by single mothers, who I would say, based on what I've seen and what I've lived and experienced, plus the hundreds of men that I've helped along the way or tried to, we have uh, one or two generations at least of men who have been raised by women who uh, tried to ruin their husbands for their own bad behavior, not their husbands, but their own bad behavior, their bad choices in life, their, their bad choices in living and then try to ruin their husbands and take their children away from them. And now I hear feminists lamenting the fact that well-planted, productive men with their feet on the ground, with a firm foundation, walking away from the dating scene in mass droves. And that's not news to me. I've been watching it happen for a long time. It's just taken forever for our culture to realize it, at least here in the United States. And men are leaving because they are they don't want to be a part of this Uh, crazy world anymore, this crazy show. And that's exactly what a lot of men, uh, particularly maybe of my vintage and give or take 10, 20 years, you know, I'm in my mid fifties almost now. Men are tired of it. They're tired of being ambushed. They're tired of being divorce raped. They're tired of having their kids used as leverage. They're tired of being accused of things falsely. They're tired of being financially responsible for their ex wives' bad life decisions They're tired of paying for kids that aren't theirs. They're tired of being lied to by their wives that a child whom they believed was their father is that they're their father, that they're actually not. And the wife was fully, fully aware of it. They're tired of being not standing a chance in family law courts. They're tired of being ambushed by attorneys. They're tired of being betrayed by the women that, that they loved. And, you know, Uh, Women love to accuse men of not really being able to love deeply. And I will tell you this, I'm a firm believer that women, in general, do not possess the ability to love deeply. Every man I know, when he loves a woman, he's sold out. Like, he loves her with everything he is. He knows how to love. And that is a deception that has been built, I believe, by feminism to try to elevate women to the pedestal, pedestal upon which they sit. Which is a false pedestal, and it's turned out to be a very empty seat in the house for most women nowadays. Because men don't trust them anymore, and it's not just me saying that. That is, uh, open up some magazines, open up some newspapers, do some research on men leaving the dating scene. They're done with women. They're not gonna. They're not gonna roll the dice, risk their their entire life savings. They're not gonna risk their reputations. They're not going to risk the trauma of dating what is statistically. A population of females suffering from severe uh, psych disorders and mental illness. Uh, when you have as many women as you do being medicated on antidepressants and the like, I, I, what a, what about that is attractive to men? What is, what is supposed to be attractive? To me, that sounds like women reaping a crop that they have been sowing for a long time. They, now, they're still not ready to take ownership of that. It's still a man's fault that they're all jacked up, that they're on antidepressants, um, that that men are unav- you know, emotionally unavailable, stuff like that. And I, I don't blame men a bit for it. Men have moved into, uh, they've been in a defensive posture for so long. And rather than trying to worry about whether you're in an offensive or defensive posture or whether you're going to be ambushed or betrayed, it's easier just to stop. And it's it's less nerve wracking. You look around at least the United States, and I would say probably a fair chunk of the world. Why do you see so many men into overlanding? Why did overlanding take off the way it did? And you can look across that world. And yes, there are some couples who do it. And yes, there are some male and female counterparts that go do it. But it is a male-dominated field. That hit home with men. And I believe that the reason that overlanding hit home with men is it captures what a lot of men have been trying to get, and they're tired of being deprived of... A sense of adventure, a sense of connection to other men, a sense of connection to a purpose. And granted, that's not a deep purpose, but a sense of adventure. I mean, I've lived much of my life with that that purpose and that sense in front of me that I had to wet my thirst only because it was there, because that's the way God wired me. I do want to know what's on the backside of that mountain. I'm willing to walk to the top of it and climb over the back of it to figure out what's on the other side of it, even though it may just be more mountains. I may travel 2,000 miles. Oh, I did. In my teens, I mean, I drove 2,000 miles to Maine to see what fresh lobster tasted like. Uh, women don't understand stuff like that. I'm so glad I did. It was one of the best road trips of my life. And it was a long one. And I I loved it. I had no money. And I drove all the way to Maine as a teenager. And I came back so awake. I was gone for, I don't even remember how long, two or three weeks maybe. And I I didn't have a pot to piss in. I had a vehicle that I'm guessing only God held it together because there was no other reason That vehicle should have held together for that long of a trip where I had to change the oil, I think, three times on the trip. Because I think it was somewhere right around 10,000 miles that I went on that trip. And that was a phenomenal road trip. And that's just one of countless many that I've taken. Before the overlanding word hit America, we did it, but we did it on a shoestring. We didn't need $120,000 rigs to go do it with. We, We did it with a sleeping bag and a cooler. And we traveled this country left and right and up and down. With no concern, we didn't need any systems. We didn't need any complex equipment, nothing. And we didn't even need much money. Anyway, but I think that the modern response of men gravitating toward overlanding and being willing to devote their money to that, their resources to that, I think it's a testament to men checking out from the dating scene. Because, you know, men who are out of the dating scene, who are not looking to get married, there's one thing that they definitely have more of, and that is disposable income. And they're not being used, their kid, they're not living in, they've watched so many men being used as a disposable resource that they say, screw it, and we're going to go do something else. So as I've I've watched my kids roll through the schools, um, elementary and middle school or junior high, depending on where you're at, I've watched at both of those levels, those schools were almost entirely female, from the administration to the teaching staff. Everything in the upper 90s, like just a a token few male teachers, almost like they were sprinkled in uh, just to because from the female perspective, if you have 200 female employees at the place and you have two males to them, that is equality. And that is the very inequality that they railed against when I was in my youth, because it wasn't 50-50 in the employee population. Now, like 98% female and 2% male, that is fair and that is equal opportunity and men are tired of it. We're not buying it anymore and we're not participating anymore. It's kind of like the uh, CV, whatever it was, the pandemic thing. I mean, I almost made a shirt that said I'm just not participating in it. And that's what I would tell people. I'm sorry, I'm not – I still say it to people who are lost – when I go into people's houses and I, I greet them at the door and they stick notes on the door that they have uh CV and I just tell them I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm here to fix your house and I'm going to come in and fix your house or you're going to lose your spot. That's the, that's the real truth of it. I guess I should have been dead a hundred times. There's such an illusory deception that is taking place that I think men are aware of it. And the one place that men get clarity is either in the middle of adventure or a place where that they where they can stop and reflect, a place where it's just them out in the natural world listening to either the sound of gravel under their boots, gravel under their tires, listening to the, the sounds of the natural world. Men can live with a clear mind if they're overlanding, and I think therein lies why men are so attracted to overlanding. And I can't say that if I had 100K, I would not build the most sweet overlanding rig in the world, because I would, but I don't... I don't know that I'm fiscally, I'm not financially loose enough that I, even if I had it, I would find a way to use it to make money because that's the way I'm wired. So I've, as I've watched my, my children grow up in an entirely gynocentric school system, at least in the elementary and middle school, and I'm talking like up to eighth grade, it is absolutely, it's not female dominated. It is solely almost entirely female, everything from the curriculum to the teaching style to how boys are handled, um, that boys should act like girls and boys should be disciplined because they're supposed to think the same way as girls. But when you have an entirely female staff, of course, because there's no males, there's no men to, to counteract that or balance it. And that is the equality that we have now found ourselves in. Now I'm watching I'm watching my children grow up. They are very aware of the gynocentric culture. In fact, even my daughter laments the fact that there aren't many male teachers. Her favorite teachers in large are the male teachers. Why? Because they're not obsessed with the rules. That's not all they talk about. They are there to teach. Like they want to know their students so that they can teach them well. And even my 12-year-old daughter, it's gotten bad enough that she notices it. And she calls it out when we're sitting around the table and talking, or when we're just out just rumbling around, you know, and and chewing the fat. They're tired of school represents the reinforcement of rules and don't be the nail that sticks out. And you do exactly what I say. It's about control. And all three of my children see it and they can't stand it because they don't need to be dictated to like they are a three-year-old. They have independent minds they understand the difference between right and wrong, and they live that out. And in elementary and middle school, in that female-dominated culture that those have become, all it be, all it was was just nagging and, and continually beating them down about rules. And you need to do what I say. It doesn't matter if what I tell you to do is right or wrong. The most important thing is that you do what I tell you to do. And I would say that that is a product of letting schools become entirely gynocentric. That is what drives men crazy in a lot of relationships. You need to do what I need to do. And the man who stands up and says, take a hike. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. I have my own mind. I have my own ideas for my life. And I have my own opinions. I don't need you to try to direct every single aspect of my thoughts and my actions through my life. Women have been getting away with bowing up And trying to bluff their men into letting them do this. Well, more and more men are checking out of that. So we're done arguing. We are checking out. So it's fine. You just go, maybe go jump into hookup culture and you can bear the nightmare that is now bearing fruit all over the United States. And that is women in their, you know, their mid thirties, their late thirties, their forties, their fifties, and they are alone. They have no family. Because all they were interested in was manipulating men and being promiscuous. And it has borne emptiness in their lives. And they didn't realize that their beauty only lasts a certain amount of time. Women hit the wall pretty quick. Most of them in their 30s. And they don't realize that. They think that they can keep seducing, wooing, and manipulating men... Just as they do in their early and mid-20s, they think that they can keep doing this in perpetuity. And by the time they get to their mid-30s, they're starting to wonder, like, okay, biologically, I'm not going to be able to bear children for much longer. But by that point, they've already slept with so many men that most guys don't want to touch them. Plus, most guys have already started looking for younger women. And they're getting them because the, the younger promiscuous generation is coming up. They're looking for guys with... Money with resources, whatever. Plus, they're flattered that an older guy with resources is now ditching women his age to date younger women. As these women progress, and now they're just flooding the market with sob stories about, I'm getting older, I've never found the right guy, I don't have any kids, I'm all alone, you know, and they don't say, I have four cats and I push them around in a stroller on the street or I have dogs that I put in clothes and I talk to them like they're my child because I never thought ahead. I always thought that I could be as promiscuous as I want to be and men will just keep flooding to my door. Women grow up with this sense that they have some kind of eternal beauty in them. And I think that women used to. But the problem is, by the time I was in my 30s, I didn't want to... I mean, I actually never... I didn't want to be with a woman. I never did in my life. But most men, I would say, they don't want to be with a woman who's slept with 75 or 100 men. That's not appealing to them. So I will come back to this subject, and it's on my short list, that it takes a man to build a better man. And I would say, look at the culture. If you're in the United States, and I would say possibly Australia, India, Scandinavia, the UK, look at the culture that we've got. Like, in the United States, we definitely have a gynocentric culture. I watch pastors preaching around it. I watch Joseph being, from the Bible in Genesis, Joseph being framed and falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of raping her. And I watch a gynocentric culture trying to pin the blame onto Joseph, who there is no evidence. There is not even a suggestion that he ever did anything inappropriate There is this gynocentric bent, even in our churches, to exonerate the terrible behavior of women in our culture. The pillars of our culture, including our government, including our churches, for the most part, including our schools, our universities, our movies, and probably whatever's on TV, things like that, it is focused on exonerating and giving a pass to absolutely terrible choices by females and bad life decisions. Bad behavior, promiscuous behavior, bad choices, ruining men, and men are checking out. That is the man's response to it. Men are done trying to change it. They're ready to just live their lives. So the one way that they can do that without being disturbed is to do it their own way. And I am definitely one of those guys. I don't want my life jacked with anymore. As I said in a previous episode, I had heard a man once say that, you know, as a as a kid he he touched a hot stove and burned his hand. And and as he decided to check out of the dating industry, dating market, which I've done a decade ago, if people keep telling us that we just haven't found the right girl, and it, it truly it's like hearing somebody tell us that we just haven't found the right stove yet. And we need to just keep putting our hands on these hot stoves. And eventually we'll find the the right stove that will burn our hands just right. And it's just utter nonsense. So this gynocentric culture that has screwed up at least two two generations of men at this point, um, I'm hoping that they will see the error of their ways. But I'm going to guess that it has to be taken back a little bit by force until women who do not buy into this stuff And do understand that it does take a man to build a better man. Um, Just as I would argue that it takes a woman to build a better woman. Until women join men in this struggle to save our country, to save probably many countries or many cultures, men are just going to go away. Men are going to choose their own road. And they're going to do it without women. And women are going to continue to grow old and alone and lament, and I guess they can watch each other's pity party videos about how there are no good men left. And they had no fault in that. They had, they played no part in that. And the 100 men that they slept with, or the 150 men that they slept with, that they thought was really cool through their 20s and early 30s, and then realized that all of the seed that they sown, all the wind that they had sown, the wind, they are now reaping the whirlwind. And men are, we're no longer empathetic to it. We're not sympathetic to it. We don't care. It's fine. You keep doing the same thing. You keep doing stupid. You're going to get stupid back. And, and we're just done devoting our lives to it. So I will leave this one at that. And I will come back to it. And, and the point of this is that it does take a man to build a better man. If you're a man and you have a son, you stay involved. You do whatever it takes to stay involved in that boy's life or those boys' lives. If you have a daughter and you're a father, you raise her well. I don't care if you see her 4, 4.3 days a month whatever it might be that you got shafted in in the courts, you take those days and you ask God to help you. And you use those to help your daughter develop boundaries for herself so that she does not follow in the same path that the gynocentric culture of the United States and other countries is trying to convince young women that that it will bear fruit in their lives. And it will bear fruit. But if you follow the culture, you will turn 50 You'll have four cats and you'll be pushing them up and down the street in a stroller thinking that this is absolutely normal. And it's really an asylum out in the street, out in the public now. You don't want your daughter going there and you want to make your sons wise to what women have become, a lot of them. And they need to be picky. They need to be very discerning and very picky. So I'll come back to this. And in the meantime, If you're a man, build a better man because you're the only one who can do it. I'll catch you on the next one.